0: Shitheads, welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty, it's me! number one buck boy standing six foot two 297 pounds he's climbing back up folks from the south shore of nassau county long island it's johnny g the number one fuck all you gotta do is trust me jackson Maine. also joining me in the hide mighty studios my dearly silent co-host arthur Gabris. arthur give him a shout out arthur is Watching the front door because we're open because the breeze is nice. Also joining me in the Hiding Mighty Studios is therapist and screenwriter
1: Phil Stark. Hello, good to be here. Great Hello. intro, love it. Hello,
0: Mister Stark. Uh, a pleasure as always. Um, so so stoked to have you here. I think you're the first person ever on this podcast, potentially in life, with the therapist slash screenwriter credit.
1: <laughs> okay great, great. Yeah. Yeah, so certainly had, here maybe overall but definitely you, here uh, you've certainly had screenwriters have you had therapists ooh
0: I must have had no you know what I haven't had many therapists that's right a lot of screenwriters not a lot of therapists and mm-hmm. so that, that you are not only our first therapist slash screen, screenwriter here at High and Mighty you're mm-hmm. our first therapist not my first personal therapist that I've engaged with on Zoom mm-hmm. but this is the first one I've talked to a therapist on Zoom that I'm recording,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. well <laughs> it's a therapist screenwriter is a popular class mix, it's like a d and d thing it's like, yeah <laughs> you know, it's, they really go well together.
0: It's like um, a, fight, so. a fighter archer, yeah, you know, yes. like that makes total <laughs> well it it is kind of i i you're maybe being facetious there, but I'm also assuming you have some backing as to why so I, I'm friends with a lot of creatives especially in the comedy side a lot of writers a lot of actors a lot of screenwriters directors Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are kind of serious about their therapy and there's something about like screenwriters get you in the head of characters and like you're thinking on behalf of other people frequently hypothetical created people fabricated people that you've invented uh but you're living in that world like you find yourself analyzing decisions and like then you every once in a while find yourself turning that like analytical final draft tool on yourself. I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like I, once you have therapy, uh, lingo and you've been in therapy and you, under, you're learning more about yourself. And then you also have screenwriting. You can like really find yourself getting in the head of different people up, including yourself of like analyzing your own, yeah. uh, decisions f- from that lens of a screenwriter. Yeah. Therapist. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, that's one of the reasons why they go so well together. You know, I, I actually, uh, taught a course in, like, comedy pilot writing, which is one of the things that made me realize I might really like being a therapist. You know, working with all these writers <laughs> about what their their main character was doing in their pilots, which involves more of a global talk. Okay, what does your main character want? Who is he? And Invariably, especially when we're starting out, the main character is ourselves. Right. So really Some version of ourselves. Off, like, what do you want? Why are you writing this scene? Why don't you do this, which is very much what I do with clients. So uh, you're right. There's a Venn diagram that that really overlaps in the the area of like sort of conjuring up and thinking about what people do and why they do it.
0: Yeah. And like thinking about thinking like you're like, you're, you're got to analyze a lot of decisions that fake people make that our decisions you choose for them as you're like, all right, my character does this. Then you're like, but why? And you think about it. And then when you watch other movies, you're like, what's this person thinking? What's the writer thinking? What's And then when you're uh, like, you think about that on the, from a therapist angle and it's like, shit, that's what I've been doing is like, I I always come back to that scene in the uh, movie wonder boys, which I barely remember, but there's one scene where there's Mm -hmm. like an interesting couple of characters at the bar they're at. And they just kind of riff a backstory for them. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older and have more and more friends that are like, you know, uh, hip to therapy uh, or you know have been in therapy so they understand a little, and mm. like you find yourself talking in like an elevated way about your friends that you never did before. Like you can find yourself being like, yeah, well, I feel like it's all shit you know, from his dad. you know, you're like talking about like a fellow friend, and now you're using therapy that like your shit that you've used on yourself or uh, opened up about your learned about yourself. <laughs> you're using it on other people. It's like, well, mm once you're in this field, blah, 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 this, this. And it's like, it's so obviously coming from inside you. I just, I I love to do that. I love to like get in the heads of strangers, but in a sort of thought experiment way, mm-hmm. but I could see the, the slope of being like, eventually it's like, well, now I'm in the head of the stranger. Can I help them? <laughs> can <laughs> I, can I make this less awful on their back? Can I help them understand what they're going through and what other people are going through? So it's feel it. I can't articulate exactly, but it feels like a natural progression. I feel like lawyer and therapist are natural off ramps from like entertainment, creative jobs. And I don't know why. I feel like there's a lot of parallels you can get into. Or maybe it's just anecdotal. And most of my friends who've left the industry have left for law or philanthropical causes or a Mm -hmm. few of them for mental health caught like something they, cause you start to really analyze how bad the the entertainment industry is for your mental
1: health. And then it starts to, I mean, you know, just, (laughs) just to start off uh, therapy or being a therapist, psychotherapist, you know, talk therapist, it's a very popular second career, a midlife kind of career for people because they've usually lived a a good life and had a lot of experiences that usually through their own therapy, they realize that they enjoy processing and want to help, other people with. So that's part of it. Then right. The second career element. I didn't right, even right. think of that. Yeah. It's a
0: lot of like, I did this for 20 years <laughs> and and right. it's a job you can do into your seventies. It's not yeah. like doc worker. Like, right. you can,
1: yeah. Well, it dovetails nicely with being a writer where I went from grain beard bad to grain beard good. And then finally grain beard good. <laughs> and now, yeah. I, now I can, never um, but now, you know, not only am I sharing that experience in general in life, but also specifically working in the industry, working with uh, especially people, comedians, funny people uh, on those issues uh, specific to their careers, the imposter you know, feelings, um, uh, the inner critic, um, a lot of things that are more specific to what, when you say my friends who are comedians, sort of issues that might be more specific to their, uh, their work.
0: Yeah, no, it makes, it makes total sense. And I, my therapist I had here for a while, CBT, uh, was a uh, good guy. Uh, we just, you know, uh, parted ways, you know, he, you can treat, uh, therapy like relationships or training programs. You can switch it up eventually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, uh, he worked with a lot of people in entertainment and it really helped me like no other therapy before. Cause he was like, it felt okay to talk about the stuff you wanted to complain about, which all starts to feel like you know, first class problems or champagne problems when you, and especially as we become more and more informed about how hard it is for everyone else in the world. It's like, so weird. Like you feel there's that level of like, you're even having, I even have imposter syndrome about my problems. Yes. you know what I mean. Like, I, like that's how deep my imposter my, my syndrome imposter goes.
1: My imposter is very insecure. Right? <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Even my <laughs> imposter is like, uh, look, it's you don't have to worry about fixing me. You know, let's solve world hunger first. Like, uh. yeah. so so funny. You go right to imposter syndrome because it feels weird. That's like what we're all low key. It feels like so many people are dealing with that. When you learn more about that, especially coming at it from the creative. Yeah. Any, arguably anything in the subjective world and creativity lives in that like subjective gray area. But, but
1: also need that, that laugh, that, that laugh and what the laugh entails and what we means to us and why we need it and what yeah. we do. get it. that has all to do with, you know, feeding that imposter feeling. You right. Know? If we, if we felt really good about ourselves and felt like we represent ourselves well and didn't really need to strive for that, we, we probably wouldn't be comedians. Right. If you didn't, if you could exist with
0: someone sitting across from you and they're not laughing and that doesn't bother you, then you're you're probably <laughs> self actualized
1: in some way. If you don't, if you don't feel the need, I have to. I have this joke is right here. I have to swing the right. cell phone. I have to yeah. take it. Right? It's right. happening. Right. Yeah.
0: I can't not. This is such a wonderful setup. Yeah, it's mixed company. Yeah, they've already kind of not laughed at two previous jokes, but that's just made me want to win it even more. i got to win them over. They hate me. If they don't think I'm funny, what do they think I am? That's like the comedy thing, too. It's like I, you can't even imagine someone liking you if they don't think you're funny. You're like, but that's who I am. And it's like, no, Gabrus or Phil, you're more than that. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I really am. So it's
1: intense um, t- to try to think about. Well, that, that's the, also another difference between being a therapist and being, being a comedian. Is that as comedians, you know, we're riffing. You're talking about what we're, we're, we're just we're going. Um, in therapy, uh, it's sort of like a conversation like this, but I really have to learn that it's not up to me to, to, to pursue that bit or to, to swing for that joke. Right, like, right. It's my job in therapy to, to not cut the tension with that joke. Right, it's to like uh, which is unpack really the opposite the of being yeah. in the room in all the writers' room as I was ever in. You know, you you would never uh, say, "Hey, the tension in this seems really great. Let's just go out on on a dark screen." Right. No, no, no. You have <laughs> to have that. that, well, yeah, so that, that treacle
0: to, cutter at the end. It's you have very to, hard
1: not to pitch the blow sometimes in my work with with clients, especially comedians, because it's right there.
0: Yeah, you're like and You're like, and so you. Did the thing we unpacked that you don't like, you know, you're like, so. You want to call what back,
1: you, I want to call back something from the beginning of the session. And then yeah. we're all wrapped up like, okay. So all right, understand. cool. That
0: was a tight hour. We had the, the <laughs> sort of, we ended strong. See you around. And it's like, wait, right. wait, wait. Did you just mock my father's death? You're like, no, nah, like, nah, okay. Yeah, fair, fair. I should pump the brakes on that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where I would be. I couldn't, I couldn't, that would be the muscle that you would have to undo the hardest is like the the, the yes. Anding of someone's therapy, like you don't need, like, I know. And imagine if your dad also did like how funny it would be if he was like abusive in this way too, huh? It's like, yeah. Whoa, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Not, but, not what you want to hear.
1: And it's hard because, uh, you know, b- part of the conversation, that's a part of me that I, I used to love the most in, in my work as a, as a comedy writer. And now I'm learning to pull back on that. Um, but it's also hard when I have clients like who are comedians, or actors who who love to riff, because then I get a chance to riff a little bit, but I got to be, okay, we got a little riff here, that's fine. Now let's get back into it, and the riff, you know, go, go back to therapist.
0: Yeah, right. I'll play along. All right, I did too. All right, you need to stop now. Let's get back to, like, come on, we're working here. We're we're nailing down issues. Let's get back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Now, is there any part of you that, like, misses the... I, I mean, that's the thing about writing, though, too. You could ostensibly be a therapist Monday through Thursday and work on a screenplay Friday through Sunday for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life. And technically keep this hyphenate, this immaculate uh, un un before heard of uh, hyphenate of therapist screenwriter. You could keep that going arguably.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, Well, to be honest, uh, I, I, whenever I think of something creative that I'm enjoying doing that I want to do writing wise, it's not in the form of a script a screenplay or a pilot or not an idea for a show or an arc for, you know, this sort of stuff that I used to come up with. Now it's, you know, in my new book, dude, where's my car tharsis? It's become an avenue for me to channel that creativity. So I still love writing, but I really love not having to do the sort of things I did as a screenwriter involving, you know, pitching the world of a pilot and figuring out what the 10 episode arc is going to be. And it's a great idea, but What's the franchise in this particular movie pitch? Um, so, and it was really nice to find something I enjoyed writing as much, and that hopefully I was as good at it as is that. So, um, screenwriter, I will always keep that on my business card. Ideally, in the future, if something happens screenwriting wise, I'm giving notes on the screenplay and not, you know, right, not a having m. a not having no a more ba- final draft software for me. Okay.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like that. That's a that's it, and that's that's a grown up attitude to have i believe and like that's like you said it earlier when you said like a second career like i you start to feel a little bit like an elder statesman in the bad way when you're like how much longer can i do this for how much longer can i keep up with these younger but then there's also a part of you where it's just like that dumb expression. It's like, now we're not going to run down to the, the old bull who doesn't run down to the Valley. You know, you're kind (laughs) of like, you're like,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not going to bust my ass writing a screenplay. I know what goes into it now. And it's not exactly where I find joy. And maybe I never, like maybe ostensibly. Like someone might not ever find joy in that without, without the success of like, they find the joy in the success. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not going to be ideal either, because that those are so few and far between that you're going to want to play that. Needing success to make your hobby or your uh, practice feel good is hard. Right. Like that, oh. that's a bad place to set yourself up for. And that's comedy has the inherent success of laughs, but mm-hmm. then there's also throw Hollywood on top of that. Now you're now we're wondering about the inherent success of like we're talking salary, bookings, uh, opportunities, rooms, staffings, like the uh-huh. shit that you get, you start to attach the happiness to that. Yeah. And now you've lost the root cause of why you didn't become a comedian to right. get, get cause you love scale or scale plus 10%. You became yeah. a comedian cause you love to make people laugh. And there, and, and you start to realize where you're like, well, what do I, why do I like to make people laugh? Cause I like to make people feel good. Oh, well, Therapy is a way that's worked for me to feel good, and I could potentially use use this to help other people. Arguably, you're in this, you're weirdly in a similar lane, even though, as you can tell by your book title, uh, some uh, you are you did write Dude, Where's My Car? a movie, uh-huh. Zaltan, a yeah. movie
1: I loved. It's by the way, the uh, longest one of the longest setups in publishing history, <laughs> yeah, the uh, name of that movie to the name of the book, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Like uh, arguably long enough that people are like, did you? I didn't even know there was a movie called Dude Where's My Car. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what is he even referencing here? Uh-huh. I re- like that's like something happened. Like I uh, forget. It's probably the Simpsons was the perfect example for me growing up in the eighties and nineties, where it would be like. I laugh at a reference and my dad be like, do you even know what a dingo ate my baby is from? And I'm like, nope. And he's like, yeah, okay, let me help you unpack that a little. And you're like, oh. And so it's really funny. Someone, like, I picture like a 20-something picking your book up be like, this is what I need. And it's their dad going, do you know that dude that was my movie?" <laughs> yeah. You think Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott can help you? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but that's, that like, that's a wild place to end up. And Part of it, and like, and forgive me if I'm, um, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, so feel free to retroactively correct me, but there's a little bit of like, you got to let an ego go to go from being like the guy who writes a movie to the guy who helps someone else well, understand well, themselves better.
1: That was, I mean, that was a sort of more of a personal journey with my career uh, that started off like blazing, and I had amazing luck and amazing work, and everything went well, and uh, you know, like talent luck and uh, determination, chutzpah, sort of all three at the same time. and, uh, and I, But I never really thought what I would do if that were to end. I mean, my whole goal, I was coming up sort of the generation after all the Friends writers had their overall deals and showed there were 30 multi-camera shows on network TV. So the idea was to create a show, get the points, reruns, pay forever, get crazy rich, and that's it. Yeah, and that didn't happen. Uh, You know, I I, it's weird how
0: little that actually happens for people. Not something they let you know, not something they tell you when you work out.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I continued for years to pitch stuff, to sell pilots, to go staff places, to to develop, to take meetings, to do all the things that screenwriters do. But in the back of my mind, I knew that it was unsustainable, that I did not enjoy it. And I was barely making any money. So uh, then it took even longer to accept the fact that I wanted to do something to change and then longer than that to figure out what it was. And eventually finding this, going back to school, getting my degree, getting into private practice training, and then to come full circle again with another, not a script this time, but a book creatively. Um, right. It's been part of a, lo- a long process uh, to yeah, get to yeah. where I am uh, now.
0: You, uh, I. You mentioned in there, obviously, you have to study to become a therapist. Uh, uh, you mentioned there's something also, and I feel like a lot of comedy people are, are at least anecdotally, uh, a lot of comedy people are, as they get, get older, maybe we were class clowns, maybe we slacked off in school. Uh, I I do think you kind of need to be a little naturally intelligent to be good at comedy, uh, at least in some emotionally intelligent or something. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I find that There's a part of me that's like, shit, if I tried to learn something now, I think I could be better at it than when I was 18. Like with like, with the hindsight and adulthood of like, if it's something I really cared about, like I'm studying Spanish again. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it feels interesting to come at it as a 40 year old and choosing it. And like, I can imagine choosing to go to school to learn to be a therapist is a little different than I graduated high school off to college. Or my mom says, mom says, this is what you do next or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it Mm -hmm. feels powerful to be like, I'm making a choice to learn something new Mm -hmm. and, and you kind of have to take it seriously. And coming from, dude, where's my car? That '70s show or whatever. You're like, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm ready to now. And there's something about like you couldn't have done it when you were 25, right? But and it, it, you you could have, and it wasn't like a lack of success, like you know, n- not getting the success that you wanted that drove you there. You weren't like time to figure out. But there's something about that move where you're like. I do. Oh, this is interesting to me. Let me learn a little. Oh, and as it starts to fill up your brain, you're like, this is light me up more than screenwriting has in the last eight years. It's like,
1: well, yeah, it's it's hard for uh, people and and sometimes especially men to uh, deal with that sort of midlife crisis, we'll call it. But that midlife area where they assess their career and oftentimes they're like, wow, I've been doing this for a long time. I never intended to be doing this long. Am I going to be doing it? for X amount more years? Or is there something else I want to do? Am I doing what I really want? Uh, a real time to reassess that sort of thing. And some people are, are afraid to really be honest about that. Some people have a good job and they just keep doing it or they have a dream that they don't want to adjust and they keep doing that. So it's great to hear from people who can like get a little bit out of their comfort zone, whether it's Spanish lessons or graduate school, you know, right. or anywhere in between, it's, especially at this point in towards the middle of your lives, it's great to be aware that you can change. You can do things differently. I, I dude, I was
0: dude, where's my uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <you> buy,
1: dude?
0: <laughs> I totally I accidentally literally stonerly said dude by accident, but uh it fits. Uh, I was I was thinking the exact same thing. It's it's very hard for creatives because it, it everything feels like admitting defeat. Everyone I talk to about it's like I don't know. I kind of want to like leave Los Angeles, but I'm not done doing write Comedy writing or I'm not done doing performance yet, but I don't want to live in Los Angeles, but mm-hmm. I don't want to give up. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think anything is giving up anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The industry is not kind to us. There's no reason we owe it. Like we owe it any special deference of like, mm-hmm. I will dedicate my, the remainder of my life to you, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's not gonna, It doesn't give a fuck about you, but we have this instinct of like not wanting to quote unquote, give up or quit. I feel like recently, and I I think the pandemic maybe helped it with a lot of uh, my peers, anecdotally, at least Mm -hmm. like the idea of an off ramp has now presented itself where a lot of people are like, I don't know if I want to do entertainment for until I pass away. You know what I mean? Like, is there, I need to find something else that keeps me interested that, and the more I find outside of entertainment that makes me happy, the more I get out of entertainment. Does that make sense? Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, Well, what's your what's your off ramp? What's on the sign uh, advertising what to find on your off ramp? You know, like Taco Bell.
0: Yeah, well, Taco (laughs) Bell's on my off ramp for sure. Uh, But maybe not to be an employee there. Uh, I might. I don't know what my off ramp is, but I do know like like I don't think it's like career oriented, but it's definitely like like. releasing the gas or like uh, pu- coming off the gas, uh, the accelerator. And uh-huh. I'm trying to find a trajectory where like, I'm okay with like, Oh, it's a slight downhill here. And we're just going to coast. Uh-huh. It's not going to be, you're you're not going to be this level of comedian. You're not going to be this level of person, but you, you, you now have a, a small house in uh deep Altadena and you can uh, do comedy. Like you're not, I just don't want to be, have to try really again back to the lazy minimum input guy i mm-hmm. just don't have to try super hard anymore like because it's so it beats you down and mm-hmm. when you really bust your ass and get beat down it hurts even more but you do need to do that for a while mm-hmm. but my off-ramp is just like honestly where i'm at right now is pretty solid let's just let it ride to passing away but to
1: yeah. keep going with that metaphor i think you, you know we're talking about that as an off-ramp right. And it is when we're all on the 101 trying to do however many <laughs> shows a night and book each podcast. Night. So, but when you get on the off ramp and then you end up in Altadena and then you're just cruising around up and down Altadena, going to the hat and you know, chilling out over there, um, <laughs> you realize that you're not in an off ramp at all. You are no. on your main street, right? Yeah, uh, off ramps take you places.
0: Like uh, you, you can uh, like just because you get off the one hundred and one at Victory Boulevard doesn't mean you can't end up somewhere interesting. Like it's not the it, that, and that's what we forget. We feel like once you, and Hollywood is a monolith in that way. It'll like let you, it'll like force mm-hmm. you to forget that mm-hmm. you can find happiness anywhere else. And your peers who you talk to, and then everyone starts only talking about Hollywood or only talking about entertainment, and you're like. Yeah, I um, guess it is super. And then you like meet normal people who aren't. And then you're like, oh, right, 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 right. Altadena still- is
1: maybe as far, uh, as far as you can go that's still in town. But there's still people who just aren't in the business. Oh, you're a comedian. Yeah, right. <laughs> like oh. that, that, that There's sort of an appeal to that, too. Like
0: finding these subcultures that I, I, I've gotten around to really enjoying, like playing rugby and camping and stuff uh, are very un-Hollywood in a great way where like I'm not. I'm meeting people and hanging out with people who have no, nothing to do with the entertainment industry. I don't even have to bring it up because when they say like, what have you been up to in Hollywood? That means what's the last five things you've booked or gotten paid for. Right. In real life. That just means like I've been playing final fantasy seven. They're yeah. like, Oh, I love that game. <laughs> or are like, uh, Oh yeah. Me and the wife have been trying to eat every slice of pizza in West Hollywood. And it's like, that's cool. Like you can have like an, an adult conversation that isn't about like, did you know that the guy who fucking staffed on Severance is also the same guy? and he yeah. I'm supposed to have a meeting with him and you're like, oh no, no, now I'm sad and stressed again.
1: It's like the deadline the deadline homepage yeah you in your, in your life as soon as you turn it off. That was actually a, that was sort of a big moment for me when I transitioned and I transitioned. I removed the deadline Hollywood bookmark from my web browser. Wow. That that was my number one go-to for so long. And I I don't remember exactly what it was, but it felt to me like a difference. Like, oh, I have a focus on something else now. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's it felt good. Yeah, or like the first time you opened it up and uh, saw that someone you like loose, like tangentially knew had a success, and you went, good for them, rather than I can't fucking believe it's not me. It was genuine
1: joy, genuine, (laughs) but and and I reached out to them with a congratulatory text without a hint of bitterness or self-deprecation or or desire or you, or like, like low, low, low key like hey attached is a, a sample <laughs> you know exactly it, it, felt, it felt so good to do that
0: <laughs> yeah to like to be genuinely happy for someone and have no um what's where for? ulterior motive, no stakes like you're just happy for someone else yeah. and and you can get there while still being in Hollywood, it's just kind of hard. (laughs) I wish, you know, like
1: that's a lot of the advice I give, uh, client clients who are working in the arts or writers who just ask for advice is, is how to approach, uh, being your own agent uh, earlier in your career. And, you know, I, empowering your agent can be great, but you often disempower yourself for that responsibility for your career and it can sort of set you back. And, and, uh, so that's something I often talk about. uh, Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. I, I, I like that. We all want to turn back the clock. For some, it's vanity. Others, glory days. For me, I would like to wake up every morning with zero brain fog, a clear mind, and be as energized as when I was younger. So thank you to first person. I can take a more active role in my brain's overall health. After witnessing the deteriorating effects Alzheimer's had on their father and grandfather's cognitive health, brothers Chris and Joe were determined to take their brain health into their own hands 25 years of research and experimentation later they create First Person an innovative precision targeted cognitive supplement system which uses the brain boosting medicinal effects of mushrooms to activate the full potential of human cognition and brain health First Person supplements made with functional mushrooms aim to stimulate the body's natural production of specific neurotransmitters that triggers activities like energy mood and sleep First Person uses 100% grain free organic mushrooms as well as highly curated blend of nutritious. Source sourced from the best in-class vendors. I know a lot of people, I'm digging the, uh, the Moonlight supplement, which helps me get that restorative sleep because it helps with my insomnia. So now I can wake up and I'm well-rested and all that. Check it out yourself. Start improving your brain health and cognition with the first person. Get 15% off your first order by going to getfirstperson.com and use code mighty. That's G-E-T-F-I-R-S-T-P-E-R-S-O-N.com, code mighty for 15% off your first order. Getfirstperson.com, code mighty. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I don't need to be absolutely blasted while smoking, so... That's why I enjoy Dadgrass when I got stuff to do. It's legal organic hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind. Dadgrass CBD products are made with 100% organic hemp that's easy to dose and the effects come on smooth. They offer a variety of products from their token smokable pre-rolled joints as well as hemp flower and a variety of CBD tinctures. Enjoy the effects of CBD while keeping a clear head. All Dadgrass products are federally legal for ages 18 and over and it ships right to your door anywhere in the U.S., Go to dadgrass.com slash mighty to check out their products. That's D-A-D-G-R-A-S-S dot com slash M-I-G-H-T-Y. Whether you're looking for a new buzz or a chill way to enjoy an old favorite, Dadgrass will leave you in an euphoric mood. Highly recommended for all those ex-stoners who are, uh, some of the weed has giving them crazy anxiety now. Settle down with some CBD. So right now, Dadgrass is offering listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash mighty. Go to Dadgrass.com slash Mighty for 20% off your first order. That's dadgrass.com slash Mighty. mighty. There's so many elements to like trying to work at a creative job in Hollywood that are like you need like 11 different kind of mental skill sets that aren't (laughs) all under the banner of like, are you funny and can Mm. you write? There's Uh also like, can you emotionally withstand people who are uh, not as funny as you telling you you're not funny? Right. Can you emotionally withstand people who you don't think are good becoming millionaires before your very eyes?
1: Can, can-, can you overcome your own, uh, uh, you know, peccadillos or claims or flaws or restrictions? Right. On yourself? Yeah and then that's all that
0: shit that's all shit that like
1: that, what the fuck is peccadillo?
0: I think I know it I think I know it Peccadillo. I know it from Goodwill Hunting and not to bring up a therapy movie to a therapist but uh, hey, great movie Love. <laughs> Um that it it's so yeah you got to get over your own shit too and then because Hollywood is a little uh you know uh a liberal a little open minded you hear about other people going to therapy and, and like I'm 40, so I'm a child of two blue collar parents in the 80s and 90s who like, and of movies calling therapists head shrinkers and taking the, taking Riggs's gun away and like therapists being like fruity, frou, frou bad guys and villains, like creeps. And then it's like, you come around to it where now you're like, this, this is like, another like your doc like, if you go get your body physically checked up once a year you should get mental you should have a conversation with a therapist at least once a year well if so not if not weekly or monthly yeah, or biweekly or something ideal. Well,
1: yeah what, what's something i'm curious what's something that uh you some kind of insight you don't know, get specific about your own therapy experience that you felt like you wanted to share with your friends like one of those things you're like oh my god you guys this is yeah. why we do this this is why we act like this
0: well, something that happened in therapy for me, uh, that, I, w- that really, uh, a, a, a breakthrough, if you will, that really helped me was at one point, like I had been disparagingly referring to my podcast, like, I, cause I have equated success in Hollywood with being on TV or being in movies or being in writer's rooms. Uh, art, and maybe even what I'm not saying here is financial, mm. uh, ex- big financial success. Mm. So, uh, I've always just kind of like disparaging like, yeah, well, you know, what'd you do this week? Uh, Well, you know, I had to record a bunch of podcasts, blah, blah. And it took my therapist who doesn't really know about podcasts, you know, like, uh, like he's, he's learning, I'm assuming learning from a lot of his clients, but he was like, but so you have like, uh, like listeners that tune in every week that like your podcast. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and you make like, You make a little bit of money uh, just talking to your friends uh, on on a podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, and is it that different than doing a live comment? Like, he just helped me understand that I was in a place of success, that Mm. I just couldn't see it Mm. because I had my goal. My eyes. I just had my eyes further up the ladder and and I didn't get off. I didn't get off on the floor I was on and explore all the spaces and be like, this is actually pretty like, I'd be happy living here. Oh my God. Now I realize like, Oh yeah. And I I started to find all these positives of like, Oh, I do make enough money that I'm not desperate for an audition. And it's like, well, hope like now it's just, hopefully I get some auditions and not like, I can't believe I haven't had a fucking audition in seven days, you know? So like it, it kind of, he like realigned my uh, my perspective a little bit of like, and I had been feeling that for years, like hearing your more successful friends uh, or peers bitch about uh, not getting like, you know, s- seeing that even the friend who has the career you want is yeah. having the same complaints you're having. And then you're picturing yourself complaining about your dumb shit to someone who's not as far along in their career, and you realize what that sounds like, and you start to feel like a little self-conscious of like, oh, I can't believe I... There are people I'm bitching about my podcasts to who would love to have a podcast as popular as mine. Mm -hmm. It's not huge, but... It is a goal. And I'm like, fuck. Right. And then there are people who have like TV shows that are like mad that they can't be in movies. And I'm like, don't you know that I would kill to be in a TV show? And it's like, Oh, it just never stops. And you have to, at some point be like, well, it's okay to strive for more, but it's probably not okay to be upset about not getting more. And that, and that was like a big step for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love that. That's such a great thing to come into in general, but also specific in this industry the idea that uh, the external rewards are ultimately not going to be the things that determine whether we're happy or not. Right. It, it's right. whether we're just going to allow ourselves to be happy. And that's why, you know, somebody with a a, a much more modest career can be happier than somebody who's killing it and, and vice versa. Right.
0: And it's like, just what you, it's just what you bring. It's what what you get out of it, what you bring into it and what you get out of it. It's up to you to be stoked with what you at like it's it's up to you to realize the value of what you're having
1: i think they call that gratitude ah that's the word <laughs> like that, that cafe gratitude
0: <laughs> not having stokedness i think maybe gratitude is probably <laughs> a little smoother you're right yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's about having gratitude it's about having understanding it's about having perspective and it helps to be in the industry for 15 years cuz you're it it helps you zoom out a little bit more where mm-hmm. you could be like yeah, it's currently shitty right now. Like, cause I I couldn't tell you the amount of times I felt insanely desperate around the holidays, cause the kind of industry shuts down for a month, and like when you're even if you're just an improv like an improv coach making money doing that at the time, right. like that dies down around the holidays, and you're just oh. like, fuck, I have no money. Oh my god, I'm gonna die. Like, I can't believe. And then like mid January kicks back, and some jobs start popping up, and you're like oh, right, this has happened every single year. (laughs) And then you're like, I could maybe, and like it wasn't until like 2017, maybe 2016, 2015, somewhere very recently, like way too recently, did I have the first holidays where I'm like, I'm going to enjoy the fact that nothing happens for two weeks in my Uh industry. And it was the first time, like, christmas wasn't financially stressful Mm -hmm. or wasn't like because you start to attach value to working so much that when you're not working you you feel devalued Mm -hmm. so you start to be like around christmas time you're miserable because you're not working or you're not getting the validation you're seeking in these uh Goals like we've been discussing, and then you're like, "Fuck!" I I feel like shit. Everything's going off, and then eventually you just make the turn (laughs) where you're like, "No one's working. It's the holidays. Just hang out with your family. Don't be stressed about." And then it's like it's happened. It has to happen to me nine times for the tenth time to be like, "Okay, this seems familiar. Relax." That's
1: another example of this personal growth you're you're exhibiting. You know, like finally being like, you know what I. I don't have to be miserable for these three weeks. Right. Why don't we just get, you give yourself like a little time out? Come back and be miserable in Jan- in January. Right, right, exactly. It's like there. It,
0: I can, I can choose to not be stressed in this moment. <laughs> like, uh, it's. I mean, often you can't. Often it's something unseen or whatever. But like frequently, you could be like, "Am I'm working myself up about this?" And I do have the power, and, and this is not. Uh, 100% true for everyone, so uh, obviously I'm not prescribing this, but for me, I was able to learn that I could go like, I think you're the only one working yourself up about this, so what if you didn't, Mm Gabrus? Could you Mm -hmm. maybe not be stressed right now? And it's like, oh yeah. It's like, God, looking at this sun is really hurting my eyes. (laughs) So it's like, hey, have you tried looking away? And you're like, ah! Oh, yeah now that i do that i can see uh, like like it's like a minor thing but when i do it you, you feel so free you're like are other people doing this are other people just going hey relax take a couple of breaths it's not a big deal you've lived through i this think before. i think
1: part of what you're describing there is this idea of, of the zooming out you, know, you refer to zooming out and be able to see the whole picture especially with comedians you have sort of a bit part that's on and always doing the bits and, and sort of coming up with that the material and then you have sort of your your true self um and uh, so the ability to zoom out and say to yourself, why am I, why am I doing this? Why are you so pissed off? Why are you reacting like this? That's sort of a, a huge step along the way to changing that. A lot of people, they, you know, they don't understand why they're angry or don't question why they use or why they you know, there's a lot of drama in their lives. So yeah. that zooming out is a really valuable, it's actually you know, a tool to uh, sort of assess where you're at and what you want to change. Yeah.
0: And uh, I- yeah, uh, I think even a smaller baby step is to start recognizing that you're even angry and that uh, like I had a, I had a doctor tell me one time, uh, you know, uh, a, a general practitioner, uh, my, my like uh, blood pressure guy, he's doing all the shit. And he's like, are you, are you a stressed person? I was like, no, I'm like a stoner who's works in comedy. Like my job's not, he's like, he, Oh no. He said, are you an anxious person? And I was like, no. And I describe him like, I'm pretty comfortable. And he's like, You're thinking of, like, social anxiety when I say, are you an anxious person? Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about, like, do you feel unduly stressed in, in situations that shouldn't be that stressed? And I was like, oh, yeah, all the time. He's like, that's anxiety. And it took me to realize that anxiety wasn't what the like nineties, uh, huh, Oh, uh, like Woody Allen, like, uh, there's gotta be a better example. I can't um,
1: turn. <laughs> can I turn here? I-
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, sorry. Ooh, excuse me. Pardon me. Oh, Oh no, I'm stressed. And like, uh, this situation is overwhelmed. Like, and yeah. you're like, Oh, it's that the I don't neurotic. have It's the yeah, neurotic. Right. Exactly. Of it's getting, a, version of it. yeah, it's getting, uh, neur- uh, being neurotic and anxiety confused because they do kind of go. And then when you realize like, just cause I don't need to breathe into a paper bag, uh, every once in a while I am experiencing anxiety and that shit is just, you know, s- s- slow, like, you know, it's just slightly redlining your fucking engine all the time. You're like, I could probably drive this thing a little smoother. And, and having, that was a, that was also a big conversation. That's the conversation that led me to go into therapy of like, right. I had always been like, I'm chill. I'm laid back. I-, I don't need therapy. I talk to my friends, you know? And then <laughs> I have, you know, and people were like, yeah. i. uh, I- I- and this is the this is the sentence i say to people who aren't in therapy who maybe have some resistance to it via toxic masculinity fear of change rerouting their uh, brains or whatever i'm like it's nice to pay someone that like and you are authorized to bitch to them uh-huh. like you are like and people are like well yeah i know i just like c- you know i talk to my partner about that all the time and it's like you complain to your partner all the time. you like, yeah, it's like wouldn't it be nice to relieve them of 1 hour of that? how, like, much, how much would they pay to have yeah, you? Have right. You. Ask them if you'd be like, "Hey, would you rather be bitched <laughs> to someone else for 1 hour so you can
1: like How much would you pay?" <laughs> if right? You, if it's off your hand.
0: And it's and it's dumb and it's a real mouth breather way to explain it, but I I, I think I've opened my uh, the eyes up to some of my peers of just like venting to someone professionally don't even worry don't even like they'll never be able to fix me fine believe that but sitting across from someone who's listening while you bitch and doesn't have any you know no guidance in your real life like doesn't have any they just want you like they they're they're not trying to get anything off of you they already got the money (laughs) for the for the session it's like there's there's no they just want to help you Mm-hmm. And like your partner or a coworker or a friend, they're not, I'm not saying they have ulterior motives, but they have like other lives. Like, like they're not asking you to talk to them for an hour. about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. like, and, mm-hmm. and it's very freeing to relieve your partner or your peers or your friend, or your coworker, or your office mate mm-hmm. of that drama dump every once in a while, when you bring it to your therapist, <laughs> like it. Well, then there's the,
1: the, the I, I love that comparison. And then there's the deeper sort of level beyond, which is uh, that after a client, needs to vent and complain then the next thing we talk about is okay why right it's so important now oftentimes your partner your friends they don't want to know they want to know why that's the pandora's box there yeah you're stressed out okay it's good why well you know listen it's late uh that's when the professional comes in and because the 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 thing is to be curious about okay why did we vent about that particular thing there's something there.
0: Yeah, there's a root. There's a root cause, at least, and and we can we can help you with the symptom of venting your feelings here. But like, eventually, we got to get under underneath the hood and figure out what's called... Co- like, we can plunge this toilet as many times as we want, but we got to get the therapist over here to like take a look at some of the pipes underneath oh. the building.
1: Well, but that's yeah. that's one of the chapters in the book. It's the it's the comparison of therapy to a mechanic, and yeah. sort of in the same way that you'd mentioned, like physical checkup with mental checkup getting your car tuned up is a lot like therapy in that you can put off getting those rims replaced, but your, your your car is going to run a little shitty. It might break down at any moment. Eventually you're going to have to address it.
0: Right. And then it's going to be an emergency where you need rims stat. Uh, Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, and whereas instead, like, you know, and, and, and I think there there's something there, like, especially amongst my, like, people I grew up with, like, coming from Long Island and coming from, like, jock culture, mm-hmm. everyone is very into fitness and uh, mental uh, health, uh, physical fitness. And then there's even now, like, amongst th- these people that I'm friends with, like, there's even more, like, of an understanding of, like, it's not about even looking good. It's, like, I want to make sure my back stays strong so I can stay upright. for. Lo- there's a little bit of longevity mm-hmm. ideas of, like, I want to be able to – run with my kids when I'm 65 or whatever. And then it's like, there's a lot of that. And those people still haven't turned the corner on. I'd like to also address some of these deep seated, like things I've got going on mentally. And it's like, it's hard to even get those people that are like, uh, your psoas tissue is very important. You got like foam roll that. It's like, well, you know, your brain is like. I don't have time to talk to a therapist. It's like, wait, wait, wait. wait. You you do three different workouts a day, and you make like five different kinds of smoothies. You're on hundred supplements, but you don't go to therapy. Like, it feels like if we're, it feels like you're working on the paint and buffing your car constantly, and the engine is like on fire, and you're not looking mm-hmm. at it to keep the mechanic. uh oh, yeah, analogy. No, going. Uh,
1: definitely, but uh, I, I'm also starting to see, especially with. Uh, after COVID, with the advent of teletherapy and the way we're doing it right now, I mean, this is this is my office, right? This is how I interact with clients, and the ease of doing that, I think, it's brought a lot of people into uh, this sort of this whole, I guess, mental health or you know, mental well-being. Uh, that sort of uh, really vibing is the technical term,
0: I believe. Yeah, I learned that you learned that in therapy school. We, <laughs> we be vibing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Uh, interesting because I was going to say that next too, because there is the awkwardness of going to an office or there is the stress of an extra commute each week of like Mm -hmm. drive to, I picked my therapist by proximity. I needed a therapist that I could walk to because I just wanted to have one. And uh, I ended up getting along with him pretty well. This was pre COVID. Pre COVID. Yeah. This was uh, like about six years ago. Uh, And then uh, we kind of, uh, or five years ago, we kind of, Stopped once we went to uh, on the phone during COVID, it kind of uh, died uh, died down during that time. I just mm-hmm. wasn't having new things in my life. I had no like. Mm-hmm. I was just like I'm retreading every week of like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. wait, weights. I ate healthy this week. Uh, uh, you know, I worked hard at my productivity was there. Like all the class, you you just like re up the. So I needed. I, I wanted to start with a new therapist, but the com- people not only. People who are maybe uncomfortable with therapy, ah, uh, Zoom sound, or like teletherapy sounds better because you could do it from your house. You right. could do it fr- where where you feel comfortable. There's still some privacy there. There's st- and there's still some privacy. You don't feel like someone's going to see me going to the therapist, which yeah. is an old holdover. But some people For really sure. do still. My like I know adults who are fucking work in. Uh, the health field that nurses and shit are like therapy. I, you know, and I'm like, what <laughs> would you prescribe that for someone? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, but uh also people got more comfortable with the idea of tella anything. And which yeah. I think is interesting. Cause a lot of people are like, come on, my therapist is not gonna be able to connect with me over zoom. But then you have like 40 work meetings over zoom and you're like, Oh, I have adjusted to this. It doesn't feel as, this feels more intimate than it yeah. previously
1: even did. Like so it's- so did you, uh, you sort of cycled through, because, you know, therapy, a lot of people don't sort of learn ahead of time that therapy ends. Right. But oftentimes people come to therapy when they're in crisis and they, they get the guidance they need and the tools to help change the way they feel. And eventually they get to the point where if you're going in every week being like, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about this week, it's time to talk about possibly stopping. And people often do. Mm-hmm. And then they set free and then eventually maybe they come back years later for some more therapy. Yeah. Um, but, but in, in terms of teletherapy, I'm always curious to know, like for instance, um, if you were to go back and see a therapist, a uh, new, would you want to do it in person versus doing it, uh, via teletherapy? Yeah. I'm curious. Cause I did like
0: the idea of getting out of the house too. Uh, um, but I do feel like ba- based on the fact that my job is so much time here at this stand, the station that we're currently engaging yeah, on, it yeah. feels like it would make sense to be able to book an hour in between a couple of podcasts with a therapist. You yeah. Know? For me, for me though, I might need to go in person to break the format that I quote unquote perform in a lot. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. there is a little, I am a little bit more, performative than I would be. And I think, I think I, I would, I would have to have a hard time downshifting. into
1: Especially if you you use the same setup. I mean, you're right in joke mode. You'll be just pitching. You're pitching.
0: Right. I might as well like maybe like lay on the couch and open the laptop for teletherapy, like just change it a little bit so that it's not how I do my, you know, I'm here, I'm here 12 hours a week riffing with uh, strangers or good friends. And it's like, Maybe the therapist shouldn't come in the same way, you know. Like, <laughs> and maybe, our next guest is my therapist. <laughs> right. well, well, it's like if Seinfeld—if Seinfeld took therapy from the stage with a microphone in his hands, like while the therapist was sitting down. I'd be like, <laughs> uh, yes, and I just compared myself to Jerry Seinfeld, one of the best <laughs> ever doing. it. <laughs> but uh, therapy does end. Is uh, someone a meat? I think I talked. To, I, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but a meathead friend of mine who is a big workout guy. Also a therapy guy said you can look at therapy, like programming, like, uh, you know, you look at it over the course of the year, you're like, well, this person really helped me with X. Um, and I feel like I've moved along, but that doesn't mean I need to stop therapy, but maybe I need to try a new therapist or jump to it. Like, uh, someone who knows you very well is important, but if you're feeling like stale or something like that, it's like, okay, I've been lifting weights for uh, a year. Maybe it's time I try sw- some swimming workouts just to shake, up, shake it up, and th- that is helpful too because – Yeah, you get it. You get a little. There's there's the comfort level that's positive that lets you be a little bit more yourself and and eliminate one layer of imposter or one layer of the of the mask and let you be yourself. But then there's a level of comfort that's a two way street where it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm here again, nothing new. Okay, let's just kind of chop it up for fifty minutes and and uh, uh. you know you get paid i i feel better blah 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 there, yeah. there's a little bit it gets to be a little bit of that and if you find yourself in that situation challenge yourself to be Ooh. more you know be come out with more in this moment or Mm -hmm. find what's next for you find uh, are you doing cbt and want to try a different kind i don't even know the other kinds and (laughs) cbt is an unfortunate acronym because it also means cockball torture on uh,
1: (laughs) wait that's uh, not what you're talking about
0: (laughs) oh yeah no i'm sorry have i been saying therapy this whole time i'm talking about the madam that i go to that (laughs) she puts uh pins we don't have to get Uh, into it but um, highly recommend s- switching it up every once in a well, while. <laughs> well, that's,
1: I'm glad we're talking about term termination, the end of therapy, because it doesn't get talked about a lot. And a lot of what you're talking about are things that people realize a, cl- a client would pre- realize about themselves. But for the most part, clients keep coming to therapy until somebody tells them otherwise, or they just quit. And as a therapist, it's my job to be able to say every now and then to a client, you know, Hey, we've been seeing each other for six months now. We, that breakup went really well. You seem really great. Um, what do you think our goals should be for uh, therapy going forward? I mean, are you, are you done? And yeah. it sort of freaks people out. They, sometimes they're like, wow, you think you think I'm normal? You know, that's sort of the <laughs> subtext. But <it's>, wow, yeah, <laughs> right, you, right. you think I'm good? You think I'm fixed?
0: I'm, fixed? No, you know, no, didn't say that.
1: <laughs> people need to hear the reflection back of what they've gone past because often they come in crisis and they work through it. Um, so it's a two-way street there with both parties, especially the, cl- the clinician who's trained to, assess that uh, idea of ending because sometimes that means that they're like, my God, you're right. I'm f- free. I'm going to go. Thank you so much. Other times they're like, you know what? Well, really here's the shit I really need to talk about. Right. And sometimes and that, that'll open up another venue to talk about, which never would have been broached if, or breached if the therapist had not brought up the idea of, are we done here? Right. It,
0: it, it's kind of like where you're like sitting there you're like, look, I think you got through, like you were saying, you got through the breakup and then you're just sitting there and you're going, yeah, the breakup Okay, well, here's another like you know, you got to be like pick your brain a little and be like, "Actually, fuck it. Let's unpack this with it. Th- let's work on this with the therapist next." Cuz m- maybe just being told, "Hey, the thing that you came here for, w- we kind of have gotten past it." Well, You're, yeah, yeah. You like it's nice to feel that and you know as someone who got the positive read on their script, got the good feedback, got the like that you know, hearing right. that you got a little success feels good. And also it can feel so futile in Hollywood, and then mm-hmm. therapy can feel that way too, where you're just in there, feel like I'm just in there delving, and nothing's really hitting. like, and and I'm I'm not feeling any, uh, you know, retribution. I'm not feeling any better. I'm just right. delving, 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 and it can feel like that in Hollywood too. You could feel a little rat racy, a little uh, hedonic treadmill-y. but like uh, it's nice uh, to it's nice to be like hey, you really processed that breakup well. You seem like you know, you're valuing yourself more than you previously did. Is there anything else you want to work on? Because like, we, 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 we didn't fix the, We didn't solve the issue, but we've, we, we survived it. We, we you know,
1: the, weathered it. The Hollywood, the Hollywood version of that, which you know, we sort of mentioned that different track, the Hollywood version of that talk is, are you really happy doing this? Whether, are you happy writing these scripts? Are you happy doing these gigs? Are you happy writing this material? Are, are you looking back and realizing that you still want to pursue that with all your heart? Are you just doing it because you've been doing it for a long time and you wonder what else you might want to do? Same kind of assessment. Well, yeah, and
0: that's funny. Because that is the other thing, too. It's like, I am more successful than uh, some of my peers. And some of my peers are still clinging on to Hollywood. And I want out. And I'm like, I can't imagine. And then it's like, are are they holding on for... Positive reasons or, like you're saying, because they don't know what is on this? Are they staying on the highway because they're not sure what's on that off-ramp and that's what <laughs> scares them? But, like, I, 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 I'm I, constantly telling my friends, I'm like relieve yourself of that like moving to georgia where your wife's family lives to help raise your kids does not mean you do not do acting writing and comedy anymore it might not mean it's the exact same thing you do now and it might not it might not even be permanent easier there yeah it might be easier you might find more (laughs) you might find you certainly have a smaller nut to maintain every month like there there starts to be those things of like well what makes you happy like if if you If you could be happy making comedy videos about uh, making omelets and you can do that from Montana and not pay a lot of rent and not need to make a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. you have enough of a following. It's like, is that if that's going to make you happy, then fucking do it. Like a good friend of mine one time said, uh, I'll shout him out here. Ben Rogers, a co-host of Action Boys podcast and majorly recurring guest of this podcast. I, I was just like, man one day I was like, man, it'd be so good to have one of these sitcom jobs. Like, like, you know, I'm like, I'm bummed about where I am in my career, man. It'd be so cool to be on like one of these sitcoms. Cause you're thinking like $30,000 an episode, 10 episodes a season, four King seasons. Boom, yeah. Oh, and you're like, shit. Insurance. I can, I can oh. finally have a house. I can, I, you know, I can have, a, I'm 40. I can have a dishwasher. I can have a yard and like all that stuff. And then he says to me, he goes, but would you, feel fulfilled would you be happy being an actor on a show that you didn't think was funny for six seasons and i was like oh i guess i never thought about that he's like yeah yeah the money would be sick you'd be happy with an extra 300 grand made Mm -hmm. in three months time Mm -hmm. but would you be happy on the show would you feel like this is what you is that when you when you close your eyes and say like what's my lifelong dream is it multicam? Like, is it that? Because if it is, well, let, let's chase. But it, it turns out it's not. And I don't even know what my major goal or dream is. So yeah. I shouldn't be getting upset at myself for not reaching goals that aren't the ones I'm thinking about. So it's like, yes. And I needed him to go like, but okay, picture yourself getting this goal. Is, Are that, you happy? Your,
1: is that your goal? Right. You and sure it turns out it's not. Goal? It's right, our right.
0: goal. It's a kind of popular goal amongst Hollywood people, mm-hmm. but it's not my goal. Would it be awesome? Fine. Yeah. Would it be fun? But if I don't get it, can I still find happiness and success in the entertainment industry? The answer mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. so far so good. It's working. Yeah. And and that took that was hard because it's hard not to compare yourself to other people. Like, uh, in addition to, I feel like imposter syndrome, as referenced earlier, is a right. big one amongst the comedy world, and then.
1: Well, bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. uh, it's it's that poison, that just nobody, nobody is any happier for bitterness. And the person who's affected the most is the one who's doing the bittering.
0: Right. Being upset that someone else is successful does not affect that other person or the gig that they got. It only affects you. And it only makes. Only badly, too. Only badly. Dude, the the amount of shows I wouldn't watch or movies I never watched because I auditioned for them and didn't get. Like, now the list is too long for me to
1: do that. I can't watch anything now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs)
0: It's like I failed at so many auditions. And it's like, but in the early on, you're like, I'm not watching that movie because Josh Gad got the role I want. I'm not watching that movie because. Uh, Henry Zabrowski got the role. I want it, whatever. And it's like, eventually you're like, well, I'm the only, if I want to watch that movie, I'm only limiting myself here. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. like someone's going to go, that's honorable. You deserve the next audition that comes your way. No, that doesn't happen. Being mad about someone else doesn't get you the career. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even being, and the other, thing that really opened up my brain again not really in therapy but something you just have to learn perspective wise is that it's like there's just so much failure baked into this industry Mm. like there's so so many people don't get auditions like only one person does get them (laughs) that means if there's three days of it there's 28 people who didn't get it and you're like right and and like those are 28 people who if you saw them you'd go like man, what an amazing career you have. And they'd be like, well, no, I'm still mad that Josh Gad got this role in a movie. And it's like, no, but you shouldn't be. And and then you realize, who am I talking to here? (laughs) I might as well be talking to a mirror. Like, you shouldn't be. That's
1: that's just the people who actually tried. Right, there's the people who couldn't
0: even get the audition. A lot of the work is
1: people who are so paralyzed by this, it prevents them from creating the art that they profess to want to make a career out of which is a really interesting conflict when you have this desire to perform in whatever way it is, but this inner critic, gets so strong that it prevents us from doing that kind of stuff.
0: The inner critic is too real, man. Like the, it stems from developing good taste in the art medium that you want to work in. Mm -hmm. And then your taste gets good uh, in movies. And then you write a movie and you're like, this sucks. And it's like, yeah, of course it sucks. It's your first movie. (laughs) Like keep writing. Like, and, and and it takes so much to understand that because you just want to be like, well, I'll never be as good as my favorite movie. And it's like, yeah, fine. That could be true. You know, there's, there's places for movies that aren't the best movie ever made. Like, Godfather's got a slot, sure. There's tons of other spaces to be like. <laughs> like, it could be like. Take me back to writing, dude. Where dude? Where's my car? Are like, <laughs> do you? Are you feeling imposter syndrome at this point, or are you? Are are you got a full head of steam of confidence? Well, well, you
1: know point? what? I think honestly, you know, there's a certain amount of imposter syndrome there. I think because I spent a lot of time before that writing scripts that were more not formulaic, but adhered to the model and what was selling at the time. Yeah, and dude was something completely different. And when you write something completely different. It frees you up to feel like, well, you can't judge me by anybody else because whoever did something like this before. So you can't tell me that this isn't as good as whatever romantic comedy this was or whatever family comedy this was. So I think maybe subconsciously that sort of drove me to create something much different because I felt like I would be less judged Maybe.
0: right because you're not putting it up against all the other like it does it stands out as like well you can't really compare this to blank yeah, yeah. it's not the same as Moonstruck or whatever and you're like yeah no I'm trying something different it's too. the anti Moonstruck <laughs> arguably yeah <laughs> antithetical and that's and that's a movie that was unusual has come out and has had weird staying power and it's something that took you to just like rip like just focus up and rip through it and make it happen like I, I, I know that feeling so well. Like I have so many ideas and then my execution never feels the way I want it to feel. And you're like, "Ugh, this is kind of lame. I don't want anyone to. ah, uh, I, I don't know what this is uh, here. I'll, I'll pretend you're my therapist. I, there's a parallel I found in my career, uh-huh. in my creative, like sort of storytelling career, in my writer's career, uh-huh. in addition to my love of video games and me- specifically role playing games. I have rarely completely finished a role-playing game, but I have definitely played like nine different characters with nine different class builds up to a pretty high level because I'm like, I find myself always going like, do I want to play a wizard like all the way through this game? It's like, no, I should do archery for, that'd be fun. A guy with a bow and arrow. And then I do that for 20 something levels in Skyrim. And I'm like, well, well, but well, do well, I want well, to beat the game as this? I, I feel like I want to dedicate more, And, I, and, and what I'm doing is like, th- there's some sort of like, Self defeating prophecy that I'm doing in there. I'm like getting in my own way to not have to worry about failing on my own terms of like, no, it, this is not, this screenplay is not the right answer. It should be this, uh, this pilot idea I have. And I start working on that and it's not as gangbusters or coming as easy as I want it to. So I start to go like, well, this probably isn't what I should be doing career wise. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, no, you just got to know that there's, when it's feast and famine. It rains in port. Like you know, you got. So imagine I'm your uh, client. I'm talking to you about that. Like, help me unpack what that. Well, might I, be
1: I, I love that because it reminds me of my D experience. And I, what I love the most is creating the characters. I love rolling the dice. I'm gonna roll. This guy's gonna be a cleric, so I'm gonna roll wisdom five times. And yeah. if His constitution's not bad. I don't care. And then this last one's gonna be a monk, and he's gonna have psionic ability, which means I have to roll a zero zero. But I got time. Right. Um, And so I love that part of it. The finishing, not so much. So what I think it is, it's creatively, it's this urge to start, to begin, to be inspired, but then realizing halfway through, I don't know how this is going to end. So maybe you're not as concerned with the ending, because uh, as you were telling me that story, I thought immediately of the pleasure I took in the very beginning of a character creation and not climbing up at the end of the of the adventure out of the, the mine shaft and right. That's how I feel too. It's
0: more fun. And there's something about it cause it's early on and it's like, the world is wide open maybe too. And you're like, Oh shit, anything can happen. And then as you start going down a path, you're like, is this good? Is this good? I'd rather, you know what? Let me go jump back and make a cleric. That would be more fun. You know, like, <laughs> and, and, and there's something cause I love brainstorming, but I don't have a lot of follow through, which I think is like, why I've always found myself in improv and podcasting. Cause I don't have like that work ethic. At least that's what I say about myself, but maybe again, that's an excuse so that I don't, oh, try you don't
1: enjoy it. I mean, some people really enjoy taking the words and putting them on the page and reworking them and changing them and the puzzle. Other people just love to fucking let it out in the moment. And the moment is where it lives. And they yeah. just, it's not so much a lack of follow through, but like, that's not my thing. I don't like to go home and conjure the words i like to be right here and and do it in person uh
0: i uh, already i'm coming back for a second session with uh phil here because <laughs> that like that is what i n- needed to hear is that it's like okay it's just it doesn't excite you as much but then there's also like that sort of part of my brain that's like cardio doesn't excite me but mm-hmm. i gotta do it to stay alive I probably should learn the follow through skill set like at some point if I really want to make right. my. But do I even want to and yeah. do, or do I just want to make a pilot because that's what that's a success? That's a success that my manager understands. That's a success I've seen other people have. That's, and I want that.
1: That's how it works.
0: That's how it works. Right. And I want that. But do I want that because I'm like, I got the perfect pilot. The only way to tell this, the only person to tell that story is me. Or do I want it because it's like, that would be good to have. And that feels like now, if I'm being, you know, you're finding that level of honesty with yourself where you're like, how serious am I about this? Like, If I am, I got to buckle down and do it. Or if I'm lying to myself, what if I absolved myself of having to have the follow-through?
1: Well, I had a big moment like that uh, about a year ago. Not such a big moment, but I had a spec that a previous manager had wanted to take out. And I told her, listen, yeah, you can always bring it out, whatever you want. And she put it together with an agent and an actor who was going to secure financing internationally. And they wanted me to be the showrunner. And they wanted me to put together a deck. So I put together a deck and it was a pretty shitty deck because I don't really do decks and uh, again said,
0: another another skill set that you need I in know, this industry that isn't so you, need that now. you need that now yeah and but, if uh, but, you're if you're an actor you need to know like how to take good photos you need to know how to pick yeah. a wardrobe for yourself you need to know how to try on clothes you need to know how to do taxes there's like so much shit that comes into hollywood that you're like what the fuck this is part of this is like trying on khakis that fit well for a fucking scene like this is a nightmare <laughs>
1: um so uh so i i did the shitty deck she said you know this deck is pretty shitty i said i know i'm really not feeling it and basically uh i said to her you know what i don't want to be part of this project anymore i think i'm done and she said well if we sell it you'll be the showrunner right and (laughs) up until that point in my life the whole goal was to be the showrunner all through 70s show south park all my gigs always going to be the showrunner and finally i was able to say to her i don't want to be the showrunner In fact, I I said, I don't think I want to be the showrunner. I don't think I want that. Uh, And it was a big moment. Like you're saying, you you spent a lot of your career thinking you want something and sometimes it changes and it's hard for you to actually have that moment where you can adjust and be like, oh my God, uh, maybe I don't want this. And it really freed me up to sort of pursue this, what I'm doing now, which is something I I really do want. Yeah.
0: See, that's, that's so rad. That's, and that's. That's strong because it is the lore. It's
1: like a 4% chance that that show would ever go. And I'd be running it anyways. I mean, right. that, and, and, right? and
0: that, that, th- that never comes into your mind. You're like, you know, it's always like what I walked away from a showrunner I mean, like,
1: to Edison, even exchange show run or. <laughs> to right
0: yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, 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 that's fucking wild. And, and that's, a powerful moment, like uh, uh, you hear from a lot of freelancers, like the most powerful thing you can say is no. And it starts to feel like you forget that you're allowed to, mm-hmm. like, cause you're supposed to be so grateful for having opportunities, but that you forget, oh, I could just be like, I could just say, honestly, I think I'd be like, without, you don't have to tell the person you're saying no, this, but you're like, I'd be happier if I didn't have this on my plate. And like mm-hmm. once you realize that, you're like, "Oh shit, like <laughs> I could like I have control over my own happiness in the future uh, that oh, uh, here's another big- uh, uh we'll wrap this up shortly, but i I'm excited to tell you about another therapy breakthrough yeah, that just yeah. came to me. uh my therapist and I kind of started talking about the concept of uh." Future Gabris. Uh, Gabris one month from now, Gabris right. one week from now. And right. then, even for me, what we started to really talk about was Gabris tomorrow. And it's like, I'm so in the moment that I am not thinking about tomorrow. And I used to kind of eat i mean i still eat pretty gross but i used to eat disgustingly and drink too much and it was because i never gave a fuck about what the like i never thought about the i would just wake up feeling like shit and be like this was never on my mind what was going to happen how did this happen yeah and then like what can i do today to make things easier for me tomorrow and it's like oh if you go for a walk and uh you know do some meditation or go to therapy or drink a lot of water eat healthy have one less coffee have uh two less alcoholic beverages your next day is easier and it's like shit i never thought about that And it's like well what about next week it's like well definitely don't just fuck off smoke weed and and play video games all this week set yourself up and it took like a grown man sitting down with a a with another grown man and going like have you like considered what that might mean for your the next day and it's like Oh no, I guess I'm making a lot of these decisions just in the moment raw without mm. consider and and that's without getting into like thinking about other people when you make decisions. I'm still in the narcissistic <laughs> uh, phase.
1: Another yeah, but at least family. I'm in
0: the future. At least I'm not living exclusively in the now and that was huge for me. And, and and stuff like wow, if I exercise 4 times this week, I feel so much better the next week or the next day. And not just in physically. I feel like I when I go to these auditions, I'm more confident. And when I sit down for a podcast or a general, I feel better about and I'm like, oh my God, I could be feeling like this all the time. And all I have to do is remember how good this feels and and recreate it and recreate it and recreate it. And that it it's still few and far between that you, I, I you that.
1: unlocked something there. Not that's not to say that it's how you live your life all the time now, but you 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 saw the light.
0: Yeah, and that and that's and that's truly helping and that's like I find myself being like, you know what? No, I don't need to spark another one right now. Uh let's not watch another episode of this show. Let's go to bed. Uh let's go to bed 1 hour earlier and my tomorrow will be better. I have to wake up. I have an 8:30 blank. And it's mm-hmm. like I can choose to lose an hour of sleep because I got to see another Obi-Wan or I could fucking sleep and wake up and be better tomorrow. And it's like, Oh shit. Cause Obi-Wan will be there tomorrow night. Like it's like, they're
1: they're real quick too. They're just like, like
0: (laughs) but I like being able to do that has really. And and again, it. a lot of the stuff I'm talking about probably uh, for some listeners just falls under the concept of like adulthood or maturation or like, but it, I did require like, uh, professional help to help me get there. So I'm just saying maybe some other people do too,
1: you know, I, I love it. I love hearing what people have gotten out of therapy because it's very specific to themselves, like you're saying, but I feel like one of the whole points I love about self-help books about why I wrote one is that it's a shared experience that I love, I love reading about people who are depressed because when <laughs> I'm depressed, that's all I want to hear about is how the people are <laughs> depressed. And it makes me feel better it's crazy how something so specific
0: can accidentally also be so universal. It's like, this seems like such a specific problem to me and other people will be like, yeah, eliminate the specifics of, uh, pilot auditions or pilot tests. And I can pretty much, I think I'm experiencing the exact same thing as you. And you're like, Oh fuck. Right. We are all sort of obviously similar fucking beings and we're all dealing with that. Like it, it it's a lot to it's, it's, it's a big step to understand is that like how, how di- we all are so disparate, but we're all so similar at the same time. And it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's hard to like wrap your head around that mm-hmm. <laughs> rugged individualism. Not so much. It inter- turned like <laughs> maybe not the most ideal uh, uh, p- perspective for American society. Uh, we should be thinking about other people slightly more. <laughs> um, Phil, you have, We've talked a little bit about your new book. Uh why, why don't we give a we'll have it uh the link in the show notes. You'll tell us whatever right. link gets you the highest commission or best uh uh best numbers. But tell tell my listeners who I think know how to read, a lot of them do at least. Well, um, good. I'm a little glad bit about your book.
1: <laughs> I'm glad we waited till the end. We Wanna weed out anybody who is a hundred percent devoted and really interested in the subject. Um, the book is called Dude, Where's My Car? Tharsis. It's a friendly and engaging guide to talk therapy. Uh, It's uh, the book that I always wanted to write ever since I decided to go back to school and get my degree in psychology. Uh, It's about uh, the things that we come in general to talk therapy with, uh, how we address them in therapy and and what changes we can expect. Um, It's made up of 50 short chapters and they're each about a little thing that we might talk about in therapy like... uh, some one kind of nugget we talked about, or some realization that you want to share with a friend, that would be a little chapter. It would be about all the things you can expect for people who um, either have never been in therapy, or are curious about it, or sort of fall into the sort of general area of of this sort of growing awareness of mental health. Um, wow, that's it's for i It's for the layman. It's it's not for clinicians. And not well, it, it is, but it's it it, it takes a lot of. Uh, basic topics and sort of normalizes them and, and talks about them and uh yeah no that's that's
0: awesome and that's that's a book only truly only truly only you could be the author of this book i know i know which, I,
1: that's,
0: which is uh, kind of a rich uh, kind uh, of a rich thing it's ever ever kind of important since, yeah
1: ever since like i i sold that spec the title has been you know both part of culture, but in my life and with my friends and we wouldn't Where's my blanket is a joke with me and my kids and my friends and my family.
0: Right. Right. And so
1: to, to have a, a joke title become, you know what? I think we could run with that. Uh, oh, that's be good. Even though, uh, the actual content of the movie versus the book couldn't be any more different. Right, right. It's <laughs> nice to be the only one who might not be afraid of a lawsuit, uh, with that title. Yeah. And it,
0: it might be, it's probably pretty awesome. Uh, stat to be like hey did you know i wrote these two things wildly different 20 years apart 20 plus years apart like uh they have some similarities uh one references the other's title they are two completely (laughs) different things two completely different (laughs) mediums just 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 a little little, uh, kiss a little circle kiss between the two vens. uh it's just that's something special man It, it it's always you know and again hyper specificity get uh, hyper specifics get you to uh, hyper universality as well. So it's like mm-hmm. uh, only the guy who wrote dude, where's my car and dude, where's my Cartharsis mm-hmm. can have done this and we get to reap the benefits from that. So if you're new to therapy or even old to therapy, uh, pick up Phil's book, dude, where's my Cartharsis. It's I'm assuming on Amazon, but we'll put it's, like it's available
1: on Amazon. Yes.
0: We'll put your good, we'll put uh, whatever best link for you yeah. is. And maybe we'll find one. I guess if you, if you're trying to buy mass market books and you uh you normally use Amazon, this is not a plug for anything in specific, but Bookshop dot org tries to use local uh mom and pop bookstores uh, based on the region you live in, and also donates a portion of the profits to like bookstore funds or uh, for mm-hmm. mom and pop bookstores. So it. If you can wait more than two days, I recommend bookshop.org. If you can't wait more than two days to read Dude, Where's My Cartharsis, then this episode did exactly what we
1: wanted it to do. Uh, you, you probably already bought it, and so this question is moot at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just listening because right you're
0: right a now. diehard fan of the book. You stumbled backwards into this podcast by just following <laughs> Phil around the country, wherever he goes, like he's uh, the Grateful Dead.
1: <laughs> Phil, thank you again well, for taking the listen, time. And listen John. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing your experience in therapy. I really love that. I think it takes a certain amount of vulnerability to share the fact that you have had that experience and even talk about what you learned about it. And I can tell that uh, it was good for you because you're eager to share it and want people to understand what you learned. Oh, thanks,
0: man. Yeah, and I'm eager for, like, I feel bad for people who, like, won't do it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, if you have the me, and I understand it's expensive and, you know, health insurance doesn't always, but there are, it's a sliding, there's a sliding thing. Like there's ways to do it on the cheaper. There's Mm. ways to like, and I don't know. However, it's Mm. worth it. Like if you, if it's not too much for you, I highly recommend it to anyone. Like no matter, like, even if you think your job is low stakes or you you don't think you have
1: anxiety, it's, it's always, especially if you don't think you have anxiety.
0: Well, oh, getting sort of,
1: get to therapy—that's
0: sort of like the naturally skinny people who t- who get to be in their mid forties, and then a doctor's like, "Hey, uh, you never had to exercise to try to look good, but you know, like you're rotting inside." And you're like, "Oh, right, right, right." It's like I I, I don't have any anxiety, and then you're like, you get to be forty something, and someone's like, "You've been run- you've been redlining this entire time. Relax, like
1: you are you are anxiety. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. You don't realize that. So take take care of yourself. Take care of your." brain as much as you take care of your body. And if, it, if the answer to both is neither, step up your game and take care of it. We only get one brain and only one body. Make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Phil, for giving your time to, uh, to me here. I know therapists like to keep it 50 minutes so they have a little time to pee in well, between sessions. this is when
1: you say something like, well, we're just about out of time, but I wanted <laughs> to tell you it's been an amazing podcast experience for me. And I want to let you know that it was wonderful.
0: Oh, well, thank you. See, I needed that validation. I didn't know I needed it, and then I got it, and it felt good. It feels good. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know all my other podcasts, but I think this episode comes out at the end of July, so that means my travel show with uh, that I co-host with Adam Pally is currently running on True TV. Set your DVRs. Watch the clips. It's called 101 Places to Party Before You Die. Uh, check that out. Uh, we're running on True TV this summer, um, and uh, as always, Bye, shitheads. Hey, now that the episode is over, time to get a little serious. While Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected everywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Whack! abortion is a basic health care need for millions of people who can become pregnant everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families including when it comes to ending a pregnancy this decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care including abortion threatens the health and independence of all americans Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. So you can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, plancpills.org provide an early at-home abortion pills that you keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. I think what this all fundamentally comes down to is let's just mind our own fucking business, okay? If somebody wants to do something to their body, uh, let them that's it it's their body we don't get to choose that for them that's called freedom remember okay this has been john gabrus host of high and mighty saying thanks for listening to the episode and come on speak up take care and spread the word love you shitheads
1: that was a hit gum podcast